Today, we have an awesome show for you. We're going to be talking about our identities. I don't know about you, but for me, this is something that I personally struggle with because I have this idol image that I think Evan Herman should be. And sometimes I even mistake this image as to think that maybe God created Evan Herman to be this exceptional, amazing human being, and I can't live up to it, therefore I feel like a failure. I don't know if you feel like me or not at times, but I've had this identity crisis for the majority of my life and struggle with it on and off. And so today we're going to be breaking the paradigm of the idols that we create about our own identity. And I just wanted to let you know before we start, I'm recording this with a friend who came to my house and we're passing the microphone back and forth. So there might be some distance speaking and maybe a couple wrestling of the mic just because of the way we had to record it. But overall, it's great recording and amazing content. So thank you so much and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the show. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, you can definitely check us out on the wholepersonpodcast.com. You can find resources to grow yourself in every area of life. As we're growing, we're going to be putting our free resources up there. That's the wholepersonpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at the Whole Person Podcast. And then in other areas, you can just follow me, Evan Herman, on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Evan Herman, and I'm documenting my journey on becoming the best version of myself while learning how to be an entrepreneur and developing the successful habits that are necessary to get and keep me there. If you want to come alongside of me and make this journey together, we'll be listening and learning from some of the world's greatest mentors in the areas that matter most, faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. So join me on the Whole Person Podcast. Well, today we have a very unique podcast because this is happening very last second, not because it wasn't unintentional or unplanned, but I saw a really great Facebook video posted by a friend of mine And I wanted to discuss that topic even further, so I invited him over. Craig, how are you doing? Good, buddy. It's good to see you. It's been a while. We've always stayed in touch on social media, but it's good to see you face-to-face. Likewise. Now, I I don't know if you remember the first time we met, but... Was it at KXOJ? It was at KXOJ. We were... It was actually at the Riverside or Riverwalk Crossing. It was the very first event that I was going to as an employee... And you actually thought I was someone else from behind and tackled me to the ground. And that was my introduction to you. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. I loved it. I was like, wow, he's really friendly. Um, But no, so I got to to meet you back way in the day when I first wanted to start pursuing radio. And then that kind of went to the wayside and now I'm doing this. So for me, this is a really neat, surreal moment where where I felt like God spoke something way back then, yeah. and then I get to interview one of the guys that I kind of watched and studied from. Yeah. So That's cool. That's Anyway, so Craig, you, you created this video on Facebook about self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And when you said that, I was like, that makes so much sense with some of the feelings and emotions that I had been going through many, many years of my life and even sometimes, even today, struggle with. 
but I didn't recognize it as self-hatred until you started talking about some of the symptoms mm. that go with it. Yeah. So just briefly for everyone, share share with them what you kind of talked about on on your video. Okay. So to give you a little backstory real quickly, from 98 to 2008, went through 10 years of clinical depression. Very dark decade in my life while I was doing radio, uh, but crippling anxiety, OCD, mood disorder. I was on all types of medication. I self-harmed, abused alcohol. That's a whole other story. But one of the monsters that I battled with was, was self-hatred. I hated myself. And what's interesting, on the outside, in the natural and the practical realm, wonderful wife, wonderful kids, wonderful job and career, everything in the natural would, uh, would indicate there is no reason for me to hate myself, but I did anyway. So <clears throat> when my healing journey started in 2008, I felt like, uh, I know I'm a believer in Jesus, and so I felt like uh, he started, the Holy Spirit started to teach me some things. And he revealed one thing about self-hatred, and it's this, that self-hatred is really a form of pride and idolatry, which kind of stung a bit to, to realize that. But as I looked into it, it was like this. When I, Evan, when you and I say or think we hate ourselves, I hate myself, right? I hate myself, right? And there's so many factors involved in that we're comparing. But the big thing is this. What I was really saying is I hate that I'm not the self I think I should be. Or better said, I hate that I'm not the self that I would have made me if I were God. Well, that's an incredible form of pride, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And, and idolatry. And what I mean by that is, when I said I hate myself, I, I hate that I'm not this other self, but I was, I had this other construction of myself, this idealized individual of how I think I should be. And of course, it was awesome. This, this grandiose ego delude, everything was great, right? This, this, this self that I created, but it's a false self. It, it doesn't exist. And it was like God was telling me, Craig, I can't, I can't work with that. I can't work with what doesn't exist. I can't anoint. I can't bless. I can't be with an illusion. <laughs> His preference is how I made you originally, Craig, all the, the quirks and the perceivable contradictions and the challenges, challenges and the weakness. I would just want to work with the real you. That makes sense to me. I felt like God was whispering that to me. But I hated that. I wanted to be superhuman. I wanted to be all-knowing. I wanted to be powerful and look a certain way and be a certain way and make millions, all that stuff, right? But it was an absolute illusion. And you read in the Old Testament about false idols, how they have eyes car carved out of wood and stone. They have eyes do not see, ears do not hear, mouths do not speak, and those who make them will become like them. And so I had this thing that I constructed. I never n saw it before until that moment. It was an idol. It was an idealized idol. This is how I'm supposed to be. It even had eyes, so to speak, ears and mouth. But it was dead. It was an illusion. And I was becoming what I was beholding. What has your focus has you. You know, Jesus even says in, in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, believe in the light 
while you have the light and so become children of light. How, what I draw from that is we become, Evan, what we behold. What you believe, you become. What has your focus has you. I was focusing on this thing, this idea about me that didn't exist. It was an illusion. It was my idea. It wasn't God's idea. And so he revealed the pride in that. And he revealed the idolatry in that. And I just had to come to a place of realizing for me to fully accept the love of God, you have to receive it in an undefended state. And I was very defensive. I'm like, no, I don't want this reality about me that Craig is ADD, that he, he's not, he can't fix anything at home and all these things, right? I don't want to face that reality. I want to be like this. But it, it, because of that, I couldn't accept God's full love. Because I'll, I'll, I'll put it another way. You have to welcome the unwelcome parts. God welcomes all of you. Come as you are. Now, he's after your transformation. We're made in his image and likeness. But then there's this transformation that occurs, right? We enter into that process. But it's a process. And for transformation to occur, that, has, that, that means there's things that need to be uh, worked on, right? It's all these base metals that are part of this divine alchemy. And we have to face the reality of what, what do we have to work with. If we don't face the reality of what we have to work with, then transformation will be very challenging. And what I mean by that is spiritual tra transformation, our growth and our peace and happiness and, and all, all that is implied in there. And so for me, coming full circle, finally I had peace in being able to say, okay, God, since you accept, accept me as I am, you say, come to me as you are, I will transform you. You're made in my image and likeness. So he put me in a position to just say, Evan, um, well, even though I have this weakness, fill in the blank, I completely love and accept myself. Even though I have this inadequacy, I completely love, honor, and cherish myself just as Jesus does. Even though I have this perceivable contradiction, even in this moment, I still love, honor, and cherish myself. Before the idea was I had to get all of the, get rid of all of those so then I could love myself and be lovable. That's never going to work. Uh, the true freedom is acknowledging true reality, embracing our whole existence, spirit, soul, and body, and then realizing even in this moment, despite all the contradictions and the weaknesses and the warts and all that stuff, I am actually loved by God because even while I was a sinner, he still loved me. And then he makes room for me to love myself right here, right now. And then to enjoy the journey of being transformed. And so once I let go of, I saw that, I was able to let go of that false image of myself. It was a false image of myself. It was an idol. And I realized what it was. It was just an illusion. I let it go and uh, let go of the pride and the arrogance of that and, and enjoy his reality of who I am in him. So... I love hearing you say all that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm probably maybe somewhere like a quarter of a percent in this journey where, where I'm starting that realization process. And for me, you know, I, I am an entrepreneur. As you know, I'm doing real estate. I'm, I'm doing okay in real estate, but I can be doing better. Yeah. And I, I don't want to settle for where I'm at now. I do want more. And that's kind of been that way my entire life. I, I want more of Jesus. I wanted to go into the ministry. And I, f I felt like I fought for years to try to become a pastor. 
and the doors just really never opened. The doors that were open closed. And, and so essentially I kind of started walking away from not, not Christianity, not the belief in Jesus, but my relationship. Because I had this picture of myself that I was called to be a pastor from seven years of age. And when it did not happen, I thought I was a failure. So God has brought me into real estate, and I never thought originally that it was God course correcting me. I don't know if ministry is ever in the future. I feel like maybe I, that desire is still there. But now that I'm in real estate and I've had more of an entrepreneurial bent, now I'm looking at things more business perspective where, okay, I would like to have a nicer house, a nicer car, uh, you know, more money in the bank, be debt-free, give. And I'm looking at the world around me, and I see examples of people that I kind of want to be like, and, I, and I've taken like a buffet, a piece from this person and a piece from here, and, and kind of collectively made this puzzle and try to fit all these pizza pieces of what I should look like. And the struggle for me is how, how do I still work at wanting to grow and be successful and grow financially and contribute more versus just accepting myself where I am and learning how to love myself in the process of change? To accept yourself where you are is foundational on, on, or the foundation of that is to accept yourself first as who you are. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, tells, tells us in the New Testament that he learned the secret of having much and having little, right? What's interesting, he says there's a secret to both. He was in poverty, impoverished, and he abounded. And he said, I've learned the secret of being in both situations. You do a study on that, and what he's really saying is, I've learned the secret of being independent of my circumstances, what we do is we allow our circumstances to define us. We have expectations. Of, and if this outcome happens, then we let it define us positively. Or if this negative outcome happens, then we allow it to define us negatively. But according to the, the secret that Paul knew, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and according to Colossians, we are defined by Christ, right? And so the freedom that Jesus offers us and the freedom uh, that we can find in this journey is once I know who I am, I'll put it this way. You look at an apple tree. An apple tree knows, <laughs> metaphorically speaking here, knows exactly what it is, right? So the storms can come, blight, drought, hail, snow, in season, out of season, it is an apple tree. And therein lies peace. Now, whatever fruit is produced, so be it. But the fruit will be an apple. But what I love about the apple tree example is an apple tree doesn't have expectations anymore, so to speak, mystically speaking. It's not thinking, maybe I'll produce an orange. Maybe I'll crank out some strawberries or something like that. It, again, just metaphorically, allegorically speaking, 
it is what it is, and it's resting in its primary identity. I am an apple tree. Now, whatever happens, that's not going to change the fact of what I am. So how does an individual go from self-hatred to starting to rest in the identity that God created them to be and to start receive healing in that area? Great question. Well, I, I think first it, it takes authenticity and vulnerability to admit, yes, I, I hate myself. And then I, I, my advice is do what I've done. I, I created a list. What do I dislike and hate about myself? And then I would realize that it, it all has to do with how I think I should be. So that's a false construct. And we just call it what it is. That's a false construct. That actually does not exist. God can't do anything with that. It's an illusion. Pause right there. Uh, so many things are going through my mind because right there, you created a list of, of the illusionments, the things that you don't like about yourself. I can't tell you to how many self-help seminars, things that, that they try to motivate and encourage you, and they say, write down your ideal self. And then you create this idol, this image of who you want to be that is the disconnect from where you are. And you're saying, yes, write those things down, but realize... We want to realize, put it this way, point of reference is key. If we're not going to be honest about where we are, for, then your healing journey and your transformation, your spiritual transformation, is going to be very, very challenging. You know? For me to know, if I have an end point in mind, it helps to know what I'm starting with. Well, the end point for me is Jesus. Jesus is God's mind made up about me. When Jesus showed up on the scene, it was God saying, hey, Craig, hey, Evan, do you see Jesus? He's my original idea about you. And actually, when you see him face to face, you will become like him, for you will see him as he really is. That's the end result. <laughs> That's awesome. So when I have that goal in mind, realizing that he's the one who began the good work in me, he's the one who's carrying me out to completion, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, he who calls Evan by name is trustworthy to complete his entire being, spirit, soul, and body. He's never called me to create myself. The world's message is, you are your own creator, you are your own God, you create your destiny, right, all of that stuff. We get to co-create with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not God. A sheep can't shepherd itself. I am the worst. If I was God, I'd, I'd be horrible at it, okay? The idea is then, I want to look at my point of reference. My point of reference then is this. Uh, Jesus is God's idea about me, and he's the one doing the work. So now it's all about process, and it's not about a specific realized uh, outcome or a desire being fulfilled. It's great to have goals and desires, but what we do, Evan, is we attach your identity to those. And this process of just being real and authentic, it's interesting. Write down a list of all your goals and desires and see how that makes you feel uh, as an individual. And, and ask yourself, now, if I don't reach this goal, how will, that, how will I think about myself? Well, I think I'm worthless. Well, I think I'm a failure. Oh, well, then that, that's proof right there. Your goals are irrelevant. It's not going to change who you are. Now you just revealed the basement that you're living out of, out of your soul. And there's still, it's all, it's, it's an identity issue. It's all about an identity issue. And so we try to create our own identity. And the human way, the natural way to do it is by gaining and achieving accolades and successes and all this stuff so we can say have something tangible that says this is what we this is what I am this is what I do this gives me meaning and purpose 
at a deeper level, what Paul revealed is I'm independent of my circumstances. So I can be shipwrecked. I can be naked. I can be left without any clothes. I can also be uh, uh, living in abundance. I could be doing great. And And he said, and there's a secret to both. The secret is I know who I am. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. He's talking about my identity is in Jesus, that no matter what happens circumstantially, I am defined by Christ because I'm joined with him. And so what is true of Jesus is true of me. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. He is love, I am love. He is holy, I am holy. He is good, I am good, and on and on it goes. Now, it's a practice. It's not not easy. Uh, But by his grace, we do that. And so... And believe me, I've, I've, I've done the radio show thing. I, I did a national show for four years on K-Love. I've made money. I've been at Madison Square Garden on stage and all that stuff. I've experienced the fame, for lack of a better way of saying it. And I've also been abased in certain respects. And according to Colossians, we are defined by Christ. And once we get to that point more and more by his grace, there's a freedom. So now we can... We can we can have dreams and goals, Evan, but we can hold them loosely because I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what happens, that does not define me. What defines me is who, who God in Jesus says I am. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm processing all this. Does that make sense? No, it does. <laughs> Another thing what we're doing is we're looking for feeling. We want to feel loved. We want to feel purposeful, okay? Well, what makes a problem a problem is feeling. That's what makes a problem a problem. We can play a song right now from ABBA, right? The group ABBA, the 70s disco group. And then I could say, uh, Evan, how does that make you feel? And you could say, my goodness, I'm sick to my stomach. I hate it. It's just get me out of here. And I could say, oh, I love it. It just makes me feel so good. And I just love the beat. And so it's just a song, but what's the difference? The difference is feeling. You're feeling one way about it. And so now you're existing in this state of disgust and hatred. I can't stand it. Me, I'm loving it, but it's all based on feeling. So what makes, according to Robert Smith, what makes a problem a problem is a feeling. And so coming full circle with this self-hatred, down deep in, it Another exercise is to examine your emotions. What are you feeling? Because thoughts, feelings, and intentions are substantive. They're real. They're frequency. And you're steeping in those things. And so you could be in any circumstance. And what Paul learned is to be independent of his circumstance. Another way to say it is he was, he was able to become independent of what he was feeling in the moment, not denying the feeling or emotion, not dissociating from it, but saying, even though I feel this way, here's the reality. Yes, I recognize this feeling of anxiety. I recognize this feeling, this emotion of low self-esteem. But having recognized that, now I'm going to see what does that say about me? I'll put it this way. Everything that happens to you, Evan, and me, everything we experience in life is for our healing. It literally has nothing to do with situations and circumstances and hopes and desires out there. Everything I experience, whether it's a failure or a success, any kind of emotion, any kind of feeling, I want to be able to take it in a healthy, mature manner, discern it and say, huh, 
I'm feeling low self-esteem right now. What is that indicating about me? What is that revealing uh, deep inside that needs healing and transformation? <sighs> so I'm just going to share with you the last four months of my life. Cool. And, and let me say one more thing. And this is why you can have a millionaire who, who's suicidal, who hates his life, and an individual in poverty who's completely happy. Because they, the, the person in, in poverty in, in this hypothetical situation knows how to be independent of his circumstances. He knows how to discern and manage his emotions and feelings and intentions well. And deep in his core, he knows who he really is. Well, you have a millionaire who you would think, man, that guy should be on the moon. And he hates himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's, it's starting to. Um, as you can tell, I'm a little emotional right now. So let me share with you the last four or five months of my life. And, and I, you talk about every situation is meant for our healing and how this conversation is kind of towards the end of these last four or five months. April 8th, I have a knee injury. I tear the ligament. Well, I dislocate my kneecap for the third time and tear the ligament that holds my kneecap to my femur. Fast forward. Um, so we, we've lost a child back in 2013. She was a premature stillborn. Um, so my wife's pregnant with our fourth child, and we have a, a miscarriage. So that kind of sucked. After that, um, we, well, after that, let me take that back. Before that, we took my son to the ER. Great, great, he's fine, no, no big deal. We thought it was, you know, appendix, but turns out he just had a really bad gas lock. Yep. <laughs> but now that's an ER bill yep. on top of my, my knee surgery. And so then after that, we have the miscarriage. And then after that, we, we donated money and we paid for half of a girl's surgery in Uganda who's an orphan to have her foot operated on because it had an infection. She dies on the operating table. So we gave money to the very thing that actually ended up killing her. And then after that, our family car is having issues. So we're talking about replacing it. And then the very next week, the, the one good car that we really have going for us gets in a wreck. And praise God, my wife is okay. And it's just one thing after another, after another. And the, like the, the majority of those, because even when my wife had the miscarriage, um, she went to the ER twice. And so while there's a lot of feelings and emotions with that, there's also the financial stress because everything cost us financially. Mm -hmm. It financially hurt. And here I am saying, God, here I'm faithful to you. I'm, we're, we're consistent in our giving. Like, where's this blessing of protection on our stuff? And, and I've been struggling with God because I've had this idea of who I should be, and I'm not that person. And like you, you know, I thought God made me wrong or I'm just not good enough. Yeah. And what it comes down to, I think, actually, I take that back. I believe God created me to be like that, but I'm not good enough and I can't get there. Right. That's actually 
my thought process. But with everything that you're saying about how our circumstances are, are there to help heal us, through all this, my identity has been hammered, both, both financially, both in my, my physical ability, in, in my marriage, in my fatherhood, you know, because it's like, okay, so we have thousands upon thousands of dollars in medical debt. You know, I just can't write one check. Like, I, I have this ideal image of myself who could. Sure. You know, I have this ideal image of what my body should look like, and I'm suffering with a knee injury. I have this idea of philanthropy that, that I can give money and save people's lives, and the very thing that I try to do ends up killing someone. My identity has been wrecked because I've, I've, I'm just realizing, like, all those images that I have of who I want to be, each one of those scenarios is a part of that identity that God is breaking. And I'm not saying he made her die or he made my wife have a miscarriage or make her get in a wreck or made me yeah. have that. I don't believe God makes those things happen to us. But he uses those for his good. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looked like until right now. Yeah. yeah. Well said, dude. I appreciate your authenticity, man. Um, and what happens is... because. I love how real Jesus I is. Hug real quick. I <laughs> dude, I love you, man. <laughs> We're hugging right now. <laughs> I love you, dude. Um, you know, Jesus, I love how real he was. He said, today has enough trouble of its own, right? Uh, another version says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, you know? Layman's terms, the stuff is going to hit the fan. <laughs> that's, just, that's just life. And, and we can, yeah. And so I... What happens, and you, you just heard Evan share all of these challenging situations, circumstances, right? And I'm not saying, so now just be independent of it. And you're, it's not that easy. But what I've learned and what helps is I want to pay attention, like as I hear Evan, then I would want to know, I would want to write down, I would want to know your emotions. What are you feeling? Sadness, yearning, longing, anger, maybe even resentment. If we were to do a, uh, I'm just hypothetically speaking, but if we were really to do an honest examination with the Holy Spirit, and I would want to write those emotions down, I want to pay attention to them, because that's what's really going on inside. And we're either, with emotions, we do one of two things. We either reinforce it, or we resolve not to feel it. So a common possible emotion that Evan would be experiencing is, aside from the confusion and anguish, Let's just say, if we're going to be really honest, there could be anger at God. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, okay. like I, I have no problem saying okay. I, I've been extremely angry at God. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's just say he's heard some things other people might have never said before. <laughs> so I love that honesty. So we want to be honest with that anger. And, and now what happens is if we stay in that anger, we're reinforcing it. There's this subconscious idea that this is a good place for me. Uh, it's, in a strange sense, it's safe for me. I'm just going to stay here and remain ticked. Or the, there's this idea that I'm going to resolve, oh, no, you can never be angry at God, so I'm going to resolve never to feel that, so we do our best to dissociate from it. And either way are damaging. What we want to do is, is come to God, 
in this situation with this emotion and say, God, I am ticked off. I'm angry. And here's why. But, and you kind of scratched on it, Evan, but I know you have something in this for me to learn and for my transformation into becoming more like your son, Jesus. And so, yeah. I just, you said something so awesome that that transformation is so that I look like Jesus and not the ideal person that I have of myself. Bingo. There you go, dude. That's it. And that's the letting go of the, the idealized image of you. The, it's the self you would have created, Evan, if you were God. And so you're like, you shove that aside. And, and we start to make the, these, in, in this context of the anger, you know, when we start to agree with it, then we start to get into a little spiritual warfare aspect of it, right? Because the enemy loves to write on that stuff. We don't want that. And so we just want to be authentic and real. God's big enough to handle all. He's the one who created emotions. Jesus is familiar with righteous anger and all that stuff. So we want to be able to come to him and say, I'm feeling this. Now, what is this indicating? What are you trying to reveal in me? What does this indicate, God, about our relationship? Right? So then I get excited about even negative emotions. I know that might sound strange because it just reveals, God, you're, you're about to do something in me if I'm paying it by your grace, if I say yes to it. So then everything, that he can use everything for good, right? And that includes all our emotions. And so... And, and with that, we, we set aside, as you said, Evan, we set aside this illusion, this false self we're, we're created, we've created, which is the human tendency. And we come back to God at the foot of the cross, humble, authentic, vulnerable, and say, search me, O God, right now, and know my heart. So how does a person become more self-aware? Because as I'm sitting here, listening to you share your journey and your thoughts and your discernment of yourself, I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I could be like that. I'm, I'm already creating that back to that image of my ideal self that I wish I could do that. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is something that I need to grow in so that the healing and the transformation can happen. How, how have, what's the, been the process like for you to become more self-aware so that, that you can allow that transformation to be like Jesus for, for him to. Yeah. Good question. Well, I'm 51. It, <laughs> I'm 31. See, there you go. I'm 20 years older than you. It takes time. God is in no rush. And our, our life, be, because we're joined to the Lord, is eternal. So this is just a blip, dude. And so it takes time. It takes patience, endurance, and steadfastness. God's the one who started, Jesus is the one who began the good work in you. He is carrying it on to completion. And so be encouraged with that. It's not on you. Our, our goal is any, if anything, is just God, give me the grace to say yes. That's it. Give me the grace to obey. But having said that, one thing that helps is we have this, I've noticed this. This is my perception. This, a fancy way to call it is an over-realized eschatology. And what I mean by that is the idea that Everything that we read in Scripture, all the promises of heaven and God, we can have here and now. And that's not the case, especially when you read Romans 8. Paul reveals a threefold hope that we have not experienced to the full, and we won't until we see Christ face to face. The threefold hope is the full revealing of the magnitude of his glory, the full revealing of your status as a son of God, and 
for women, daughters of God. And then finally, the full physical transformation of our bodies. That's not, those three things are not going to happen until Christ returns. I have more, but go ahead. Oh, okay. So, so we have to hold that perspective. Does that make sense? Because there, I know for me, I would think, I sh- I'm supposed to have it all now. Thy kingdom come, they will, be- come on, right? And that's not the case. There's something, we're, we're partakers of his divine nature. We don't, we're not fully uh, experiencing it yet, though, just partakers. And then I want to encourage you, Evan, and those listening, about the circuitous path of life that Jesus revealed. There's the kind of a five-fold process. There's Gethsemane, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. And at any given moment, every minute, every few ten seconds of the day, you're in one of those, always. So what helps me is when I'm feeling something, God, wait, what? Okay, what part of this life that Jesus painted with his life am I in right now? Am I in Gethsemane, which is the, the pressing? That's where you say, not my will, but yours be done, God. Am I on the cross where now I'm dying to myself? My, my, and not just my sinful uh, fleshly self, but also the deep self-sins, self-righteousness, self-promotion, self-exaltation, self, self, self. You know, the invitation from Jesus, if you want to come after me, deny yourself and take up your cross daily, follow after me. And then there's the, uh, the death, the final letting go. I, I yield, I surrender. That's what the grateful thief on the cross did. The ungrateful thief was saying, hey, if you are God, get yourself off here and get me. He was playing the victim mentality. The other thief in his dying finally admitted Jesus has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve to be up here, but we have. And then he yields, and he says, Jesus, remember me. And boom, Jesus says, dude, paraphrasing, you're going to be with me in paradise. Wow, that's amazing. So he yielded finally to the process. Then there's burial. That's called dormancy. To be dormant means to be present, but not active. We are so addicted to activity. We cannot handle or bear silence and solitude. We really need, you know, it would benefit us greatly to work on that. So that's the burial. It's the time of quiet reflection. That could also be the time of, God, I know you're here, but I sure don't feel your essentia, but I'm just going to trust that you're with me. And then resurrection, life, Mount of Transfiguration. But here's the deal. We always just want to stay in the resurrection mode, (laughs) right? But if you look at life, and even various aspects of our life. In work, I'm in the crucifixion mode. In my marriage with my wife, I'm in the resurrection mode. Uh, With my sons, I'm in um, Gethsemane mode. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord, right? And so when you look at that circuitous path of life that I believe Jesus has revealed, it really helps us to understand because we think everything, let's just get real we think everything's supposed to be roses. Let's just admit it. We think everything's, everything we put our hands to is supposed to turn to gold. And, that's, and here's the thing. That's the image the world portrays, right? That's why you have on social media all of these programs for self-help. You can, you can be a motivational speaker in just three classes and all this stuff, right? Easy wealth, easy success, easy fame. It's all an illusion. And that's not our goal. Our goal is I want to be like Jesus because he's the ultimate dude. He's the kindest most powerful, most loving man I've ever met. If there's any man I want to fashion my life after, it's him. And how I see he, and just look at how he lived his life, right? 
And if you, if you, if you took the worldly perspective of Jesus and his life and ministry, he was an utter failure. <laughs> Everyone left him. He wasn't perceivably rich, right? He, um, he got, quote-unquote, caught, although he, he said no one could take my life. I gladly lay it down. Um, but on a worldly scale, uh, even, even his disciples had a worldly idea of, of Jesus' purpose. They thought he was going to set up a, a kingdom and reign and rule right here and now, you know, to overthrow the Roman Empire and all that stuff, and they had no clue. It was completely different until he was raised from the dead and even a couple disciples are walking on on the street and the resurrected Christ shows up and still they didn't recognize him until Jesus broke bread with them and and so even they had a worldly idea and that's why they when Jesus died they all fled or when he was first caught and then and then crucified they they fled they were in despair they locked themselves in a room they were confused mary comes back said i've seen the resurrected christ they're all like yeah whatever they were in disarray why because they had a worldly mindset they they and they were so wrapped up in just the momentary circumstances they were just they weren't seeing and perceiving with the eyes of their heart and spirit right jesus had a totally different idea the growth of jesus and his kingdom is slow the pace of God is the pace of nature, and the world doesn't like that. The pace of the world is fast. The faster, the better. God is completely opposite. His wisdom is foolishness to man, right? He uses the broken things to confound the wise. And so when we see those, all those realities, I'm saying a lot, but you can see the kingdom operates on a completely different perspective. It moves slowly and purposefully. But here's the thing, Evan. Something is always happening, always. Your inner person is being renewed day by day, no matter how you feel physically, no matter what's going on circumstantially. Scripture says your inner person is being renewed day by day. Something of the kingdom is always happening. It's slow. It's beautifully methodical. It's like titration. It's that chemistry experiment. One drop at a time, one drop at a time, and you don't know when the chemical reaction will take place, but every previous drop was necessary for the chemical reaction to take place. It reminds me of Isaiah, drip down, O heavens, and let righteousness spring forth. So I've said a lot there, that's a lot, but when you look at that circuitous path of life, that has helped me, being 51 years of age, and I'm feeling in a whirl, and I practice this all the time, daily, dude, and I'm like, wait a minute, what moment am I in right now? Oh. I'm in Gethsemane. I need to let go of my will. So last night, um, one of our pastors was giving the sermon, and I only got to get like the first 10 minutes of it because one of my sons was um, having an issue, so I had to go make sure. He, he yeah. was like wan and crying and uncontrollably sure. and just needed mommy and daddy. Uh, so, how old is your son? Uh, what? Well, the oldest is four, and the youngest is one. Okay. And so I went to the baby. Ironically... This is what's so cool about God. Okay, I'm, I'm in service, PA system, guy speaking. My, my son's classroom is maybe 200 feet away out of the sanctuary. That the sanctuary is um, soundproofed. And I'm sitting there, and I can feel within me that I hear my son crying. And I, I look over to my wife. I'm like, hey, I think Levi's crying. I think you should go check on him. 
And she looks at me like, no, whatever. So I get up. I go. Walk in his classroom. And there he is in a hot mess on the floor crying. And, you know, he wasn't being neglected by any means. And so I get there. He looks at me crying, Daddy, and just comes trotting over to me as a barely walking one-year-old can. And I pick him up. Several things happened in yesterday's service. One, how the heck did I hear my son cry regarding all of those circumstances? But there was this deep knowing that my son was in trouble emotionally and needed me, and I heard his cry. Despite every obstacle, the PA system, 200 feet, sound barriers that would not let me hear him, I heard him cry. And on the way home, I just heard God tell me, he says, Evan, if you can hear your son cry in his distress, how much more do I know when you're crying? And the other aspect of the message that I only got five or ten minutes of is our pastor talking about how we live in a information society, how it's very easy to get information. We don't hardly have to know anything anymore because we have the information right at hand in our pocket whenever we need it. So we don't memorize, we don't learn, we don't study, we don't have things within us. And he was talking about how we do that with scripture, how if we want the information, we know where to get it. So we don't actually have the scripture, the the memorization in us. And I'm bringing that up because as we're sitting here, you know, I look back at my life and there's one point where I felt like scripture was in me. And as he's talking yesterday, I was like, oh man, I'm one of those people. Not that those people are bad people. I'm just, I'm right where I thought I would never be. And I have this idealistic image of what I should be when it comes to just the memorization and the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, and scripture where where it's like I've almost forgot a lot of stuff because I've taken for granted the access that I have. But as I'm sitting here listening to you and you sharing all this and the things that you're going through, I think the major transformation that that happened in your life and that I'm seeing from an outsider's perspective is because that, that information within scripture, it wasn't just information that you accessed when you needed it. It's something that, that was living in you that helped transform you. And that's an area that I think is the, the turning point, the, the domino to start all other dominoes is the, the scripture being God-breathed and living inside of us. So how does someone who's struggling with the idea that if I need it, I can access it versus allowing the scripture to become alive in them? Well, I think the world pushes quantity over quality. That's one idea is just read, 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 read. And I, I disagree with that. I, I like the idea of steeping. I like the idea of feasting on his word. And so, for instance, <clears throat> Romans 8, which I quoted earlier, I've been feasting on Romans 8 for the last three weeks, and I'm not done. Some would say, oh, you got to, you know, the Bible in a year and all that stuff to be... <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> you know, the idea is... How do I say this? Yeah. 
I want Jesus, I'll put it this way. There's different ways to read scripture. That's a whole other podcast. You know, there's, there's, yeah, there's all types of ways to do it. There's studying it. There's, there's Greek and Hebrew discovery. There's Socratic discussion. There's methodical. There's principle. But my favorite is when I look at it and I see it as true food and true drink. Um, these are the ideas of God. And I open it up. And I start to read, and usually what happens, the Holy Spirit, who guides us and leads us into all the truth, just highlights something. And how that is, that's different for everybody. But you just know. It's like all of a sudden something pops to you. And to me, that's a high sign that this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to camp out. He's the spirit of truth. He's got something he wants to reveal. And so I've abandoned the idea of, quantity and I have to read this much in a day or whatever. No, no. I want it to become my flesh. I want to feast. And to do that, you chew methodically. Even when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my flood, that word eat, he's talking about chewing methodically. It's a slow chewing and breaking down and assimilating. And so when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to that, uh, that, that's my simple advice right now. I mean, that's a big question, uh, but from my experience so far, being 51, the most fruit I've gotten from Scripture, I've read the book, uh, the Bible in a year and all that stuff, but the most fruit has been every day. I just open something up, open the Word, not randomly. I, I, I do have a, a book sometimes that directs me into what to read, but um, I like the small. I like the small, juicy morsels. <laughs> As you're talking, I'm realizing something about myself. Yeah. One, I'm definitely quantity over quality. But I think we all long for quality, but still do quantity, whether it's with God, reading, relationships. And and I I literally had this aha. One of my issues, one of the things that that has slowed my my reading down, um, not stooping or... or, uh, seeping, but just like neglecting reading is because I want deep quality revelation. Yeah. However, I'm treating it in, in quantity. I'm, I'm not doing the necessary practice for the desiredness of my heart. And so it's hard. For, I shouldn't say it's hard for God, but it's hard for, for my biological and educational makeup to get that deep and richness if all I'm doing is is quantity. Yeah. And, you know, ask yourself, you know, like, again, point of reference is everything. Uh, why are you reading the scriptures in the first place? What are you after? You know, I used to read scripture because I wanted to get a really cool insight and revelation so I could tell someone else about it, right? And I could look awesome. But, uh, I want to read script. My point of reference is this, Jesus, I want to know you more. That's it. I just want to know you. So I'm not coming to Scripture assuming anything and any expectations I, I, I offer up to you. And I just ask Holy Spirit, you're my teacher, you're my guide. You see, so the pressure's off. You don't, we, we can feel pressure, like I, I'm opening Scripture and I better get something. I have to get something. It's like, no, that's on the Holy Spirit. We've just been invited to feast on his word. I, I like the word feast. And so we come, 
and say, in a sense, Holy Spirit, will you serve me from this scripture now? Yeah, I could take anything off and, and gorge like a buffet line, but what's the point? I don't want that. I want what's on your mind. It's almost like saying, using the restaurant idea or theme, you know, Holy Spirit, you know what's best to order today, right? You've been here way before me, so here I am. I just want to know Jesus. I want to know my Father in heaven, and I want to know you more. That's it. And then there's silence and prayer, and again, this is probably another podcast of just how you approach reading the Word, but to me, that's What's your point of reference? What are you really after? And laying down all those expectations and all those desires for the simple desire of, Jesus, I just, I just want to know you. And Holy Spirit, you're my teacher, you're my guide. And I love the simplicity of that, right? <sighs> so many mic drop moments throughout I'll have to this. I'll come back, dude. I'll have to come back. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, before before we go, Craig, would you would you not just pray for me, but also the audience? Because you've you've journeyed this path, yeah. and and I believe the prayer from the perspective of having gone through the process. Not that it'd be more effective than what prayer I could pray, but you're you're going to be praying from a prayer of a little bit more understanding. Yeah. So, man, would would you just pray? Because that's. That's what I want in my own journey, and, and I'm almost positive that there's people listening that also want that. So would you pray over us? Yeah. So I pray this. Jesus, uh, we thank you that you are the, the shepherd of us, that you are our pastor, that you've never called us to shepherd ourselves. And so I ask Jesus, would you, as we lift up our souls to you and we trust in you with all of our heart, would you be so kind as to lay your hand on Evan's soul. Lay your hand on the soul of anyone listening, and mine as well. And would you set our souls in perfect peace? If there's any enemy activity, chaos, accusation, anything that's not of you in your kingdom, thank you for bringing that down to zero right now. And would you please increase the reality and the awareness of your love your safety, your assurance, your validation, and our worth and delight to you, God the Father. And would you take our hearts, the entirety of our hearts into your hands, all the parts in the broken places, and shine your light there. Breathe your peace and go into the hidden places of our hearts and teach your wisdom right there. Help us to embrace that circuitous moment that Jesus revealed, whether it's Gethsemane or crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, help us to see it. Help us to breathe deeply. I thank you that those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit, one breath. So right now, we, if we feel like we've been breathing on our own, we just look to you and we rejoin our breathing with you in your unforced rhythms of grace. And I thank you that you who call us by name are trustworthy. And you will complete our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you so much for, for literally dropping whatever you're doing at your house yeah. and just coming. Because literally, I texted him and said, hey, um, I saw your video. Do you want to make a podcast? And I don't know if you're free like right now, but if you are, we can do it right now. And 
23 minutes later, I was at his home. <laughs> so, man, thank you for being willing, yeah, and we'll talk to you soon. You, Bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you would, I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing as well as rating and even leaving us an objective review. It helps us with our ratings and spreading the message of the Whole Person Podcast. And now, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Take care and God bless. I created a free resource that I want to offer all of our listeners. You know, we have this ideal person of what we want ourselves to look like. And there's this gap between where we currently are and that dream identity that we've created. Well, in this resource, it shares ideas and components about how to not only bridge some of those gaps, but also how to be content and okay with who we are as we love ourselves in the process of change. If that interests you and you want that resource, check out thewholepersonpodcast.com. Again, that's thewholepersonpodcast.com for that free resource. And while you're there, just so you know, our friends at Anchor Marketing actually created our website that helps us market ourselves better and brand ourselves. It also works with search engine optimization and other areas for digital marketing. So definitely check them out. We paid them to build our website and to help us do marketing, and we just really appreciate them. I figured as a business owner or entrepreneur, if that's something that you're looking for, you should definitely go check them out. I think their website is anchormarketingco.com. That's anchormarketingco.com.